Psalm 27 verse 14 says this, Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. I want to talk to you today about waiting well in this season of life. Over this lockdown, I've been reading an autobiography by one of my heroes. He's a global sports person. He's been knighted by the Queen and was really inspired by this book, especially with this person's battle with cancer. So I decided to take the opportunity to write an email to this person. I kind of think in this lockdown season, some things that you maybe you've always wanted to do, it's a good time just to get on and do those things. And so I took the opportunity to email and just express my appreciation for writing the book for their life and uh, just just thank them really. And to my absolute astonishment, uh, I, I got a reply. And um, when I saw the reply from this person, I was absolutely blown away. I was so excited, uh, even more so because in the reply, uh, there was an invitation to go and meet him after the lockdown is over. And so I was thrilled to have that invitation, this opportunity to go and meet one of my heroes. Um, and then my, my mind started to think and ponder and reflect upon one day meeting Jesus face to face. And I began to weep and I began to um, just take that initial bit of uh, excitement uh, about meeting another human being who is flawed to meeting my Saviour, my Lord, Jesus Christ face to face. And I was just absolutely undone. I was overwhelmed. Uh, and and, and there's, there was like a longing and an ache in my heart to see Christ. And um, this is where we find ourselves as Christians. Jesus came 2,000 years ago, died, was buried, resurrected, ascended. And that was his first coming. And we wait for his return. We wait for the second coming of Jesus. And we are waiting in between those times. It says in the penultimate verse in the Bible, uh, Jesus says this, I am coming soon. I'm coming soon. And so what Christians do is we wait, but we don't wait passively, we wait passionately. And I want to encourage you in this season is to have a perspective of waiting passionately, to wait well. And I think uh, we as Christians understand this, don't we, that we are always waiting. The cry of every follower of Jesus Christ is Maranatha, come Lord Jesus come and this is our heart's cry, this is our heart's desire. Waiting is at the very heart of a disciple of Jesus Christ. We Christians are waiting for the return of Christ, aren't we? We're waiting for uh, our resurrection bodies and for the restoration of this earth. How much in marriage requires us to wait? Waiting for change waiting for a job, waiting for our kids to embrace faith, waiting for healing, waiting, waiting, waiting. And often our inability to wait causes many issues in our lives. Our inability to delay gratification can cause things like debt. It can cause and fuel our addictions. 
this whole uh, feeling that we're driven by of wanting things now and not waiting causes broken hearts. We hate to wait, but it seems to me that waiting causes us to grow in ways that nothing else will. One of the things that I sense God would love us to learn and grow in this time is to wait well, that in the black box of our lives, in our souls, that we would discover the, the power that's in waiting. For those who see it, for those who embrace it, waiting is a tremendous gift to us. And the whole idea of waiting at this time, I don't know about you, seems so much more prevalent. Many of us are just waiting, aren't we? We're waiting to see our loved ones and our friends. We're waiting in queues. We're waiting on some things maybe to do with our employment. We're waiting on some decisions maybe with finance. We're waiting on when the schools will reopen or, or which school your child got into this time. We're waiting for us to gather again as a church community. But let me ask you a personal question. How are you at waiting? Honestly, how are you at waiting? If you ask my wife, she'll tell you that I'm not the best at waiting. I don't do traffic jams well at all. Um, I, I'm kind of wired in a way that I like things to be resolved. I don't like things hanging over me. And, and even silly things. Um, we have we have Sky and we have Sky Plus. So you get to do this thing that if you've recorded a program, you can fast forward the adverts. And all you need to do is press it a couple of times and it fast forwards. But I just find myself pressing it, pressing it, pressing it, even though it's not doing anything extra, just to hurry the thing up. It's bizarre, but um, in our culture and in our context at this moment in time is that we, we're looking to hurry things up all the time. I remember once many years ago going to Disneyland in Florida and I decided to pay extra just to skip the two-hour queues. I just couldn't cope with the queues. Uh, but I think the idea of waiting seems more difficult essentially today because we live in a world and an age and a culture where everything is instant. Everything seems to be about now. We live in a microwave society, a world that promotes the very antithesis to waiting. And technology has indeed sped everything up for us. It's made us much more accustomed to things fast. I read a, a stat recently which said that the average smartphone user touches their phone nearly 3,000 times a day. The average attention span in the year 2000 was 12 seconds. Since then, the Time magazine reported it's dropped to eight seconds. The attention span of a goldfish is nine seconds. So technology seems to have flattened our world in such a way that we have the illusion that we can be present everywhere. The whole world is available to us at any point, anywhere, everywhere. A screen check here, uh, an update there, an email demanding our attention response now. I've even noticed with uh, our two-year-old daughter is that uh, when she grabs my phone, she's even doing the whole zoom in and zoom out. And I once saw a, a young girl do that with an actual book, zooming in, zooming it out with their fingers. Concentration and contemplation is being chipped away at. And I would say that this results really in a, a detachment of our own lives. And it usually takes some kind of crisis in our lives to reorientate us.
maybe this crisis that we're in will afford us the opportunity to slow down and to learn the art of waiting well, to embrace waiting well. The problem with waiting I found is you just don't have all the details. I mean, from our perspective, we, we think we've got everything figured out, that we've got this great plan and that we know exactly how things are going to go and how God is going to move in our time frame. But like I talked about patience last week, waiting is all about essentially where we place our trust. And we serve a God, don't we, whose calendar is moved by millennia, not by minutes, and who thinks in terms of generations. And unless we understand this about God, that he moves in and by millennia, not minutes, that we will actually never understand his ways with us. Peter is, is very clear. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. Waiting, I've discovered in my discipleship journey with Jesus, is so worth it because I've discovered through making a ton of mistakes that the only thing harder than waiting on God is wishing that you had. To not wait on God and his timing will always leave you with huge regret. Without a willingness to wait, we will be regularly frustrated with God and may even become disillusioned with our faith. But God never promises us that our present circumstances make sense. Sometimes we have to wait until the present becomes the past before what we are going through becomes even remotely understandable. Now the Bible is full of stories of people having to wait on God. The process of waiting and preparation is elevated and celebrated. Noah, Abraham, Moses, Joseph, Jeremiah, David, Daniel, Jesus, Paul, so many others. So in this season of our lives, while we're sat in, as it were, God's waiting room, let me encourage you to wait well. Wait not passively, but wait passionately. And here are four simple lessons that I sense that God may want to teach us in this time. The first thing is this, waiting builds anticipation. Why is it that children get so excited around Christmas? Because the wait has produced a sense of anticipation and expectation. We tend to appreciate things so much more when we've had to wait for them. It took me 35 years to meet my now wife. And when we were dating um, over that first year, is that most weekends uh, we would travel about five hours in the car to just see each other for probably just a day. And having to wait so long in both those processes um, means that we really, really do cherish what we have. We don't take it for granted. People tend to treasure the things that they've had to wait for. I'm sure waiting to have that coffee with a friend or gathering with the church on Sunday or being able to pray with someone just sitting next to them or hugging a family member, all of this we will appreciate so much more after this process. You see, God has placed eternity in our hearts. There's a longing, there's an aching, there's a tension. 
Don't circumvent the process. Discover God in the journey and in the waiting process. Don't lose hope. Don't look to other idols and streams. Only Jesus provides true living water. Allow waiting in this time to fuel kingdom desire and anticipation and expectation. Allow it to stir a hunger and a thirst in your heart and in your soul that you may not have had for many, many years. May you allow this time of waiting to drive out that sense of apathy in our faith. Number two, waiting builds intimacy and dependency upon God. I found that waiting during difficult times really uh, brings a deepening and a developing of our relationship with Jesus. I, I've always believed that, that, that God is, is interested in the journey as he is in the destination. If not, all the biblical accounts that we read about would only include kind of the feel-good parts, not the, the good, the bad and the ugly and the journey that people went on. We may not always understand why we have to wait, but the good news is that God never asks us to wait without him. He is with us. We have the Holy Spirit to fellowship with us. He is Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. He is with us in this time. And God never promises that our current situation will make sense, but trust and faith and dependency is forged internally in seasons of waiting. So think about things like true joy and contentment. Think about peace and love and compassion and meekness and self-control. These things, I believe, are forged most in the process of opposition and pain where our circumstances are not favourable. Take the opportunity not just to survive this and get through this and hope that things just get back to normal. But allow God to show you some new things, maybe some old things that will develop you to be more Christ-like, for that is our goal. God is always more interested in who we are than what we do. If you want to keep that internal fire going for Jesus, then the key is always this, abiding in him. And we abide in him through worship. We abide in him through reading our Bibles. We abide in him through prayer. Number three, waiting is not passivity. Waiting is not passivity. You do all you can in this season to get ready for what will come. There's a difference between passively waiting in fear and ap apathy and expectantly waiting in faith where you take action. I remember before we had our youngest daughter, Elsie, um, all our waiting and all our anticipation and all our expectation included action. Getting the room ready, fixing the cot and the pram and buying clothes and attending antenatal classes. Gosh, they were a, a real eye-opener. Sorting the, the car seat out, thinking of, of names to call her. But she hadn't arrived yet. But our expectation, our waiting fueled action. It was about preparation. It's amazing how in this time you notice things, don't you? That maybe you didn't notice before. Maybe you've gone on your 30 minute walk uh, this week and in your neighborhood you've seen something, you've noticed something and you thought, gosh, I, 
I've never seen that before. And and this season is is giving us maybe a fresh perspective on things. We're seeing things differently. I was looking at my grass in my garden, as you do the other day, and a verse came into my mind from the book of Proverbs. It says this, go to the ant and consider its ways and be wise. And he goes on to say that yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. Now the reference context is to do with sluggardness and, and laziness. But it made me think about how an ant slowly but surely stores in the summer ready for winter. In this waiting, do what you can to wait well. Do not waste this season. Renew your mind in God's word. Read books, listen to talks, write that book, write in your journal, start that exercise, form some new habits. If you're single, date yourself. If not, invest in your marriage. Have an evening uh, a couple of times a week where you get ready but you stay at home. Have some dinner together and talk. Dream, ponder, pray. Allow God to form fresh vision and dreams in your aching and longing. I found that often in times of difficulty, in times of pain, in times of complaint and suffering, God actually births a burden and a vision and compassion in those times. I was thinking about bamboo. Here's how you grow a typical piece of bamboo. You cut a piece of bamboo off and you cut it in half and you stick it in the ground and you water it for a year and guess what? Nothing happens. You water it for a second year, nothing happens. And a third year, nothing happens. Fourth and fifth year, nothing happens and you fertilize it. And on the sixth year, you water it and nothing happens. But on the seventh, it sprouts. And once it sprouts, it just takes off. Some bamboo can grow one meter or three feet in 24 hours. Some bamboo can grow to nine feet in about four days. It's just when it takes off, it takes off. Our lives are like that bamboo. And you may have been thinking, look, I've been working on this. I've been working on that. I've been studying my Bible and I've been serving and I've been faithful and I've been giving and I've been believing and I've been planting seeds. You may be in like year six. Don't give up. Because when that thing sprouts, it can grow nine feet in about three days. It just takes off. And just watch what God can do with your life. The final thing is this. In this season of waiting, let's pray. Let's keep on praying. When you're in the waiting room of, of prayer, Matthew 7 verse 7 says this, keep on asking and you'll be given what you ask for. Keep on looking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. It's a continuing verb. It says keep on doing, keep on asking, keep on knocking, keep on seeking and you will get the answer. Keep on praying. The great missionary James Fraser found himself in a very similar position to where we are at the moment when he began to preach the gospel to the pagan Chinese villages of Lisuland in the first half of the 20th century. Lisuland lies several hundred miles west of Wuhan in the foothills of the Himalayas. So James Fraser very often found himself unable to reach 
uh, these converts, these new Christians in the most mountainous areas. Winter snowfalls made it too dangerous for them to gather and for him to gather with them in church services. Now, at first he was frustrated and even angry with God, who could easily have just held back the snowfall to enable church services to go ahead. But as he prayed, James Fraser became convicted that God was actually in the problem. It was a challenge. The Lord wanted him to conduct an experiment on behalf of the body of Christ. So James Fraser worked out that it would take him three to five days to conduct these church services in the Highland villages. One or two days to travel, a day to gather and to meet, and then one or two days of travel back down again. He therefore decided this. What would happen if I decide to spend that time that I would have spent gathering with these people, praying for them instead? For James Fraser, this was more than just a kind of a throwaway tweet on social media. Nobody knew or much even cared how a missionary chose to spend their time in the foothills of the Himalayas. It was between James Fraser and God himself. But he gave himself to this experiment completely. He prayed for three to five days for each of the highland villages instead of visiting them. Then once the spring sun had melted the snow, he climbed the mountains to discover what had happened. James Fraser discovered that his converts in the highland villages had prospered during the winter months in which he found himself unable to gather together. In fact, as he met with them to hear about their winter Bible reading, their isolated prayer times, he came to the remarkable conclusion that his converts in the highlands had grown far more during the winter than his converts in the lowlands, the converts that he'd been busy visiting and gathering all winter long. James Fraser never knew the full results of his prayer experiment, but many missiologists trace back the enormous revival that swept through China in the last 50 years to the revival that began amongst the highlanders of Lisuland during the winters when he stayed at home and he prayed. I'm challenged in this time that I can do far more to serve you, to serve our church community, to serve our city, to serve our world than to take my pastoral over, over business online by praying. Charles Spurgeon preached that prayer is the slender nerve which moves the muscle of omnipotence. By God's grace, let us therefore embrace these next few months together as an opportunity to experiment and discover how much of this is true. Friends, let me encourage you to wait well in this season, to embrace waiting as a gift and see what God will do in you, in me and in us. God bless you.